Good morning. Today we'll be learning Daf Dalad in Maseches Megillah. First, we'll be learning Daf Gimel Maseches Megillah. We're at the very bottom of Gimel and Aleph, and we're trying to show, fascinatingly, what is the priority. We just said the astonishing halacha of Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina, which is that you're mevatel the avoda and the base of Mikdash for this mitzvah derabanan of Mikra Megillah. That is astonishing. Okay, um, and we said yesterday that the post game will discuss. Does this really mean that you're mavatel it completely? Maybe it just means that you do it the Megillah first. What? But none other than the Gra holds that you're mavatel it completely. So there is that. Uh, there is that. Anyways, uh, from that they learned. We said base Rebbe held that you're mavatel Talmud Torah. Okay, in order to hear Megillah. And they said that that's the Kalvachomer from the Avoda. If you're going to take the Gemara at face value, okay, and say that the Avoda is going to be Mevatal for Talmud Torah, then certainly you're going to be Mevatal Talmud Torah, to which the Gemara indignantly asks, what do you mean? The Kalvachomer would imply that Avoda is more Chamor than Talmud Torah, right? Because if Avoda is being Mevatal, certainly Talmud Torah. Is that really so? Is Avoda really more Chamor than Talmud Torah? Ask the Gemara, Avoda Chamor mi Talmud Torah? And it says, right, So Yeshua was uh, walking, uh, this is right around the time of the fall of the city of Yericho as he's conquering it, and he sees a man, right, and he bows down. Ask the Gemara, how could Yeshua have bowed down to a man that he didn't know who he was. So we have, we know that this was a, had to have been at night, okay? And therefore, we're, we have a unusual halacha, you're not supposed to say shalom aleichem to somebody at night. Why aren't you supposed to say shalom aleichem to someone at night? Because maybe he is a demon, so what? You're not allowed to say hello to a demon? The answer is, because if he's a, in the days that they used to say shalom to each other, they used to use the shem Hashem. They used to use the shem Hashem, and for shalom, you're allowed to use the shem Hashem. That's a beautiful Goranowitz Musar moment. For the sake of shalom, you could actually use the shem Hashem. But to say it to a demon is saying shem Hashem l'shav, right? It's saying it in vain. And that's why you're not supposed to say shalom to anyone at night because maybe you can't see them well and maybe they're not in fact a human being but a demon. So it says the Gemara, shiny hasam. No, no, no. That case of Yeshua was different. We're not up to the Tamatar part yet. Hold your horses. First, we're just going to try to sort out how he said hello to this guy at night. So he said, the guy said he's an office in the army of Hashem. So we see that he was a human being because the officers are all made out of human beings. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? He, you know, even if he was a demon, he, he would present himself as an officer of Hashem. He's not going to say, I'm a demon. So the Gemara answers, Now, you have to understand how demons work. Demons will never say the shame Hashem in vain either. So he would never say, Sar Tzva Hashem. He might say, I'm the Sar. Once he said Tzva Hashem, he knew he was a human being. He could not have been a demon. And therefore he said, Shalom back. Okay, be that as it may, he bowed down to him and he said, Shalom. So, that was their meeting. What was their conversation? So from their conversation, we're going to learn about Talmud Torah. The conversation was as follows. Amar Lo, by the way, he was a demon. Not really, but he wasn't a human being either. He was an angel. <laughs> P.S. Uh, but 
you're like that sixth sense we talked about yesterday should have kicked in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something should have felt different. Uh, <laughs> right after all that, he wasn't a human being. Um, I guess you're allowed to say shalom to angels. Uh, yeah, okay. So I'm low. Uh, in Yaakov's conversation, when he wrestles with the angel, they say Hashem, Hashem, right? Yeah. So I think you could say or Avram. All right. Amalo emesh bitaltem tamid shel bein harbaim. Okay. The angel said, "You know, this afternoon you didn't bring the carbon tamid shel bein harbaim. Why not? Well, that was uh, because they were in war, I think. So he says, bitaltem and now that's dark. You did you miss night seder? Yeah, well, they were doing kibush. What, what kind of what kind of tamid shabbain arbaim were they going to do? So, did they bring karbanos before the kibush? Uh, this is during the siege of Yericho. Um, he could not have been in Yericho, by the way, no, right? But he was in the area. But what, what what kind of karbanos was he bringing? Asks asks uh, Binyamin. It's a good question. All right, we have to go. We have to go. We have to go bone up on our navi. But okay, so he says this afternoon you didn't bring a karban. Okay. And now uh, you're missing night seder, so Yeshua wants to ask, Okay, well, which one are you coming to give me musa for?" So Well, you see, I'm coming now, meaning I'm coming now at night time during night seder. So that's the one that I'm coming for. If I had come to to, to give you musa for the time of Bebe Abayim, I would have come during mincha time. Immediately in response to that, we have a very yeshivish homiletic. Interpretation of the following pasuk that says that Yeshua was sleeping in the Amik, which usually means valley, to which Amar of Yochanan, as we turn to Gimel Amid Beis, Milamed Shelon Be'ayim Kushel Halacha. Right? He, he took the Musr to heart and started learning halachas. Okay, so what do we see? He could have the angel, it then is obviously an unusual case, right? He's giving the Musr for Bittel. Um, Bittel Karbanus before the base of Miklish is extant, but, the, but be that as it may, he is in fact giving a Musr, not for the Bittel of the Karban, which you're supposed to miss if you're trying to conquer a city, okay, but the Bittel Taira of Night Seder. You, to conquer a city, you can miss the Karban, but you can't miss Night Seder to conquer a city, okay? All right. So, so, so that's what we said. So now, just to bring home the point, yeah, there it is. From this atabati, I came now. He came to give Musr not for missing the Tavish of Ben but for missing Night Seder. Says the Gemara, no. In other words, in the case of Talmud Torah, of many, uh, what Yeshua did was cancel Night Seder altogether. So that night, there was no Night Seder in the base of Medrash. If you cancel Night Seder in the base of Medrash, it better be for a good reason, right? That you can't do for the sake. Uh, that. So the hierarchy, therefore, implied here is that first would be possibly, tam, that the most important would be Talmud Torah the Rabbim, and then the Karbanas, and then Talmud Torah the Yachid. Well, if the, ta- if the individual Talmud Torah is not as important as the Karbanas, maybe uh, that could be uh, that that could also um, it could also fall below right Karbanas in the hierarchy. However, the Gemara challenges this as follows: Says the Gemara, but the Yachid Kala, you're going to say the Talmud Torah individual is less. It's a light matter. 
it's less than Talmatar the Rabbim. Vatnan, but we learned in Mishnah that we'll learn soon enough in Moed Katan. Nashim, right? We always get an appetizer of the following Masechta. Nashim b'moid ma'anos of Alamatapchos. We've already learned this Mishnah in a different context. Now, for now, women can sing, but not beat their chests on Cholamoid, right? Because it's talking about Moid Katan, and it's talking about his, right, at Leviah's. So somebody passes away, and Cholamoid, Rahman al-Atzlan, you're allowed to sing, but you can't do the beating of the chest. Yeah, but if you're close to the mita, in this case is obviously the right, the aron of the mace. There you can even beat their chest. However, you can on these days, right, do the singing, the right mournful singing, and beat your chest of aloma but not that awful wailing um, that you have to. Um, cool it off and not do that when it's on an otherwise festive day of Rosh Chodesh Chanukah and Purim. That all of this, Cholamoid, right, is not, it's as if it doesn't exist in the case that the Tam Chacham passes away because, after all, when Tam Chacham passes away, right, they say that you need to have, in order to have Kovar Torah, you're going to, what, suspend all of those, uh, you're going to suspend all those precautions, with ten lines down in Gimel and Bez, and says the Gemara, Kol Shekein Chanukah Purim, that that's true for Cholamoid, and certainly be true for Chanukah Purim. So, what do you learn from there? That even the Torah of an individual, right, because what we're talking about is the Leviah of a single Talmud Chacham, by definition, right, only one person dies at a time. So we have the Talmud Torah of a single individual, and yet, what are we doing? We are waving the, uh, the what? We're waving Hanukkah and Purim. Aha. So now that we've come to waving Hanukkah and Purim, it sounds like that you would do what? So that's unclear in the Mepharshim, but Tosos gets involved here. It sounds like maybe you would, in fact, over supersede the Kriyasa Megillah in order to have the Leviah of a Talmud Chacham on Purim. That's the ultimate potential result. That's the Pashup shot of the Gemara here. You're going to miss Megillah in order to have the Leviah if like, one, you know, the Gadol, wasn't it um, Rav Moshe Feinstein. Feinstein passed away near, uh, right around Purim. And, and, and what? Yeah. And, and Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, they passed away very close with each other right around Purim time. Uh, my, I, my father passed away on Purim. Anyways. So, so it says the Gemara answers, but that's a different thing. This is, you know, Moshe Feinstein, let's say, passed away. Uh, I don't think it was Purim Mamish, but let's say it was. Uh, Big Gadol passes away on Purim, says the Gemara, that's Kavad Torah commerce. Kavad Torah the Yachid Chamer, Talmud Torah the Yachid Kal. Wow. The Kavad Torah, and you could even see alumnus in it, right? <laughs> if you're doing a Kavad Torah for a Gadol that passes away, so then that is, in fact, like Talmud Torah Rabbim in a sense, right? Because Kavar Torah is everybody getting together to bring Kavar Torah, right? In other words, it's not for his individual Talmud Torah that you're, that you're suspending Megillah. You're suspending it for everyone else's Kavod for him. So that, in effect, is a form of... Uh, Kavar Torah is, by definition, always public, in a sense. And therefore, it's like public Talmud Torah. I'm just throwing in that potential lumbus. Anyway, Kavar Torah diyachet chamar, Talmud Torah diyachet kal. But the Talmud Torah might still be more kal. Okay. In other words, if you're learning, right, you're not going to, so again, to bring it back to Megillah reading, you might suspend morning Seder, you might, rather, you might, you might, um, not be able to miss individually, 
right, morning Seder, uh, for this, uh, or you, you might be able to miss your, yourself for the, for the Megillah, but you certainly can't suspend morning Seder in the whole yeshiva from Chris Megillah. That's the point. Okay. 12 lines down in Gimel and Beis. I'm a rabbi. Yeah, to me, it's obvious, uh, that when you have a conflict between Avodah and Mikra Megillah, that Mikra Megillah Adaf Midr Yosef Right? We already learned the dinner from Yosef Rechanina. It's not Pashat at all to us. But once he's learned it, even Rava thought that it's Pashat that you cancel the entire Avodah for the reading of the Megillah. Amazing. Talmud Torah, Mikra Megillah, Mikra Megillah Adaf. And therefore, uh, in addition to that, it's also Pashat to Rava that when you have a conflict between Talmud Torah and Mikra Megillah, that you're going to read the Megillah. Why? In other words, we kind of uh, challenged this, this base Rebbe notion, but he understands that when you have a conflict between Talmud Torah and Mikra Megillah, you are going to put the Mikra Megillah ahead. Okay. However, Rava is now going to talk about a different hierarchy. What if you have Talmud Torah Mes Mitzvah? Well, there, Mace Mitzvah Adif. That, you're going to say that in, if you're sitting and learning and you hear of a Mace Mitzvah, you have to go prioritize and take care of the Mace Mitzvah. How so? I mean, the Tanya, because we have a Bryce that says, It's enough on a Bryce, right? A Beferish, explicit Bryce that you're Mivatan Tamatar to do the Otsas Mace, and by the way, to go to a wedding. To go to a wedding, right? To, to, to Kala. Okay. Is that what Achnasas Kala is? Okay. We'll see. But, um, but we, probably, we may not, we may not delve into that, uh, here. But be that as it may, some form, some aspect of the Achnasas Kala. So, says the Gemara, let, let's talk about Avoda Meis Mitzvah. So Rava says, now Avoda Meis Mitzvah, right? Meis Mitzvah Adif Mivalach Choso. The, ta- the Tanya, Vula Choso, Matalmad Lomar. So here we're gonna have an interesting Rashi. There's a, there's a longish Rashi. Vula Choso Matalmad Lomar. It's the second narrow line over here. And it takes you through because really the Pasuk of Lachoso is written as Rashi starts off Gabi Nazir Ksiv. And then he takes you through a whole Arichas where it starts off with Nazir, but then it says, right, it, a lot of drushas. It says, Laviv uh, Tama. It says, it's it redundant. Laviv, Ulimo, Ulachiv, Ulachuso. And for each one of those, you bring the Nazir down, want to teach you that it applies to Nazir, it applies to Kohen. It applies to emes mitzvah, and then at the end, the Rashi says, In other words, whenever you have a mes mitzvah, right, lachoso teaches you what? Matalmad lomar. Let's go back in the Gemara and see like this. So again, as Rashi says, this is the ultimately the reading that you read from the whole. Redundancy of the pasuk that if a person is actually going to shechta carbon pesach or to give a bris to his son, then he hears that there's a meis mitzvah yachol yitameh. He could in fact become tameh. Now who's becoming tameh? So again, the the it starts off talking about a nazir and then we extend it also to a kohen. But be that as it may, because of the extra redundancies, we we go back. Right to say that it is not only a unique case where it's one of the krovim that you could be matame for, but even if you were in a case where you're going to do the mitzvah of shechting the korban pesach or brismila, you're going to still take care of the meis mitzvah. So in other words, you take the pasuk as a whole and you learn the importance of meis of, of meis mitzvah that even a nazir or a kohen would be matame, and even in certain cases where they were on their way to do a different mitzvah. That's how Rashi. 
spells it out for us. But at the end of the day, the, redu- the reduced version in the Gemara is that the Pasuk, on the whole of the Achoso, teaches you the importance of Meis Mitzvah. As the Gemara continues to say, it says, you're going to do the Shech, the Pesach, and to, and to do the Mila. Right? You think that you should not continue on your way, but you become Tameh. But therefore he said, in those cases, do not become Tameh. So it says like this, in the case of Achoso and Krovim, you're not supposed to become Tameh. Oh, however, right, so in other words, let's say you're going to bring the carbon Pesach, and you find out, Halila, one of the Krovim passed away, you bring the carbon Pesach. Wow. So you would have thought that that would also apply, not just to Karov, Right, you think if that applies to one of your family members, that certainly would apply to a rando meis mitzvah to somebody that you've never met. You would have thought Wow, an unbelievable right limud um, in the pasuk that when it says ula achoso, it's teaching you that for the krovim you're going to continue on your way. Right to shecht your Pesach and to do the bris milah. but for a mis mitzvah you have to stop in your tracks, thereby highlighting the critical importance and priority of mis mitzvah over almost anything else. Isn't mis mitzvah the like the quintessential example of yosherim, which is usually what our standard is for Torah? Oh, uh, you're saying it's 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 a uh, So so Binyamin is saying right when we talked about uh, we talked about some sechas brachos. We talked about like Kriyashman Meis Mitzvah, right? Right. If you can't, if nobody else could do it, so in a In other words, a Meis Mitzvah, and Tosos, I think over there discussed, and maybe the Gemara even discussed that if it, if other people could do it, then obviously that's a different category. So let's assume that this is a Meis Mitzvah that Yefshar Aleidecharon, because after all, as we're going to see now, the the Cheshbon is that if nobody else is going to do it, it's going to be a real common covered abrios. Right, so so yes, yeah, so 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 in Echinami, you may have to add the caveat that nobody else is available. Certainly, right. So that right. So in other words, why why do we need a drasha to say that if that's what our rule has been? That that he actually did a Why would we need a drasha? Right. Um, right. So that's kind of what Tosfos asks because Tosfos Meis Mitzvah. Um, first of all. The first, there's two. First one says that it's not even dafka meis mitzvah. So maybe that answers your question. He says Okay, so maybe that's meis mitzvah. So this is talking about talmud torah meis mitzvah. But really, but but you're right. You, you mean your question is even stronger. Your question is we're talking ultimately about talmud torah versus meis mitzvah. The bigger hit. So why do we need the the pasuk of lachoso? So I may have to. I may have to get back to the to you on that, um, uh, right? Because Tosfos over here, the second Tosfos, asks a different question. He says we have a kavachomer that we could learn because Talmud Torah is chamor and revatlin for kavod ames because that's we already learned in Ksubis, but we're going to learn it soon enough in Ksubis. So he says if you Talmud Torah is going to be vatel, is mevatel uh, Talmud Torah derabim we already said is at the top of the totem pole. So certainly you're going to be involved all this. So he says, let's just read the end since we started the kasha. Uh-huh. So he's, he's taking care of the Tom Tar thing because you're not going to say it anyway.
<laughs> this guy is not is not being taken out of yeshiva. All right. So uh, so let's get back. So let's get back to this. But we have to. We do have to answer the question of why do we need this um, this pasuk? Okay. Be that as it may. So these are all obvious. So now by Rava, Rava wants to know the less obvious hierarchies. Mikra Megillah, Meis Mitzvah, Adif, right? You take all of this hierarchy and you still don't know which is going to be, so you know Meis Mitzvah obviously is very, very importante. And you know that Talmud Torah, is, uh, Berabim is very important. What about Mikra Megillah and Meis Mitzvah? So Mikra Megillah, Adif, Mishum, Pirsu, Nisa. Wow. So if you have Meis Mitzvah, Mikra Megillah is even more important. It, it really is astonishing how important the Mikra Megillah is. Right? When you talk about the fact that it's a Takana Durabanon, right? So what's the reason? Finally, we're going to find out that's why Mishum Persume Nisa. That would be the reason why Mikra Megillah would be more. Persume Nisa is very important indeed. O Dilma Mis Mitzvah Adam Mishum Kavad Abrias. But Mis Mitzvah, as we know, was very important because Kavad Abrias. So it says, Basu Devayah Hadar Pshata. Mis Mitzvah Adif. After asking this question, Rava rhetorically, Rhetorically, excuse me, answered his own question. That actually, Mace Mitzvah is going to trump Megillah because Covenant Brias trumps Pesume Nisa. Why? Because we see examples where it trumps a Sase. Once, once it trumps a Tase, so that's already very serious. Uh, as Rashi explains, what's a Tase? It's the case of Lotuchalis Ale, Mashavas Aveda. Right? Sometimes. Always, when you see an Aveda, you can't ignore it. However, if it's beneath you, right, you're a hush of a person, a zakain, and it's not Lefik Vodo, as Rashi explains, as we know in Eilam Metzius, right, which we learn soon enough, then that person does not have the obligation of, of Lolis Alem. That person can, in fact, um, right, uh, obviously you'd have to ask a local Orthodox rabbi, but the bottom line is, the love is done away with um, in order to preserve the covenant of Brios of the individual, and therefore we see that since it's Docha even Elav, it's greater even than covenant of Brios. Uh, amazing, amazing indeed. Okay, now, by the way, Shalom Bayis also more important than Pesume Nisa. How do I know? Because if you only have enough oil for either Shabbos candles, which are for Shalom Bayis, or Hanukkah candles, then you light the Shabbos candles. So, I mean, Shalom Bayis is a form of Kavod Abrios, right? Uh, so the hierarchy of Pesume Nisa is very high indeed. The Havamina that it's greater, right, than, than even a Mace Mitzvah, perhaps. But in the end, um, it, the, the Kavod Abrios wins. Okay. So now seven lines up in the wide. Gufa. Amar Rabbi Yeshua from the wide. Ben Levi. Krach Mechol HaSomachlo. Ah, back to Krachim. We love it. So we said like this. Krach Mechol HaSomachlo Mechol Imo. Right, we're talking about a walled city. Well, when you talk about the walled city of Yishalayim, keeping Shushan Purim, you're also talking about Ramot and, you know, Neve Yaakov and, and Harnof, right? All the nearby areas. So two criteria, near it and seen from it. Nidon Kekrach, it has the, the din of Yishalayim, as it does. Satana, Samach, Afabishenu Nira, Nira, Afabishenu Samach. So the rule is clarified that it only needs one of those two criteria. It has to either be close or be seen. So the Gemara asks, I can understand something can be seen from afar, even though it's not really that close. Right? Because as Yerushalayim, for example, is on top of a mountain, so you can see all the surrounding suburbs, and all of those will be considered Yerushalayim. How do you have a case with something so close and it can't be seen? Right? It's in a valley. 
It's not, Nachal doesn't mean that it's in the water like Atlantis. It means that it's in the valley. Okay, if I'm Rabbi Shubin Levi, so now, as we've done before, we have Rabbi Shubin Levi, so let's keep learning some Rabbi Shubin Levi's here. I'm Rabbi Shubin Levi, similar question. Let's say, uh, uh, in the sense that it's about a krach, fascinating thing. What does this mean? You had a city, now, some cities have a wild history, right? They had, sometimes they were inhabited, and then you built a wall, and then the wall fell in a war, and then you inhabited it again, right? So, for example, we're talking about what cities were walled in the day of Yeshua, right? The fact of the matter is, there is, what? Does Eureka count? Right, yeah. <laughs> what does Eureka do? That's a good question. It had a wall. Um... <laughs> uh, if I oh gosh, I don't know the answer to that. But if I had to guess, I you know, who does okay? Does it matter? It does it mean like at the moment he entered Eretz Yisrael when it says Isman Yeshua Benun, or does it mean once he entered, you give him like a few minutes to build up the cities, right? I always thought it meant you conquer Eretz Yisrael and you build up the cities, and the biggest metropolises were fortified. But it may have been two years after the actual entrance into Eretz Yisrael. That's what I thought it meant. So I don't know. Did he restore the the uh, the walled city of Yericho? Uh, anyway, but here, here's there, there's a major a major nafkamina. You thought the only nafkamina of whether a city was walled at the time of Yericho is that you depends whether you uh, keep Shushan Purim there. That's not true. There's another pasuk. You have to look as, into Chumash and see that there is a question of redemption of the house. Right? The halacha is. If the city was walled, then you can only redeem a house that was sold there during the first year after a sale. Okay, that, that's, a, that's a straight up pasuk. And therefore, Rabbi Shurman Nun has to tell us, was it, what's going on? Let's say you have a city that was settled and then later on had a wall. So is that considered a walled city? No, right? That's considered an unwalled city. Nafkamina, that it can be redeemed any time. Before Yovel, obviously, during the Jubilee cycle. Oh, so in other words, like this. So again, Rabbi Shimon Levi says, you, you, When he says, in that case, he wasn't talking about Purim. He was talking about with regards to this redemption of the houses. So my time, what was the reason? So he is <clears throat> using it from the Pasuk, right, in the Chumash. That says, if a person should sell, what? Right? It's a base Moshav. That means that it had to have been already a residential city with a wall. And not a city where he settled. And then like 30 years after Yeshua eventually became a metropolis. They do not have the din. Again, he's talking about... Um, for the redemption of the house, but we're applying it also for what would be considered a krach for Mikra Megillah as well. Okay. So now, okay, so that is that. Now another teaching from Rishubin Levi. That if you have a city that doesn't have a sar batlonin, we're going to treat it like a kfar. The Rashba says this can't be talking about a krach that's a walled city. It must mean a praz. <laughs> it must mean an unwalled big city. That if there's not a sarbatlanim, what's a sarbatlanim? Right? Kolel guys. Kolel guys, you need to have kolel guys at least constantly in shul in order to uh, be considered a real city because otherwise you're going to treat you like a village because you don't have a Torah presence in your community enough to, to read Megillah. 
we see that it's not so much a question of right the size of the city, but who's in the city, right? It's like, is it a Torah, what we would call a Torah community? Like Rabbi, um, like Rav Asher Weiss says, that Baltimore is the most Tanua Torah community in America. I could say that, because that's what he said. All right. But he called it a Torah community. So we have a, at least a Sarabat Lanim. Okay. Ma'akamash Milan. What does Rabbi Levi teach us? Tanina, Ezohi, Ir Gedola, Kol, Sheesh Basar Batlanin, Bachel Zukanare Zakfar. Amazing thing the Gemara says. Again, what we just said, that, you know, we think of a, of a city, a big and a small city, like San Francisco. That's a big city, right? And the small city is Scranton. Wrong, the opposite. Scranton, Pennsylvania, is a big city because it has a big yeshiva that's well known and everybody loves it. San Francisco, Prominent though it is, has garnished, garnished basically there. Not, not to disparage all the people who are trying to do a lot of good work in San Francisco. But the point is, do they even have a Sarabat London? Is there a colon in San Francisco? I don't know. There's one in Palo Alto. The point is that a city's prominence is determined based on the Torah presence, not on the commerce or, whether, or the actual size of the city. Amazing. Gemara answers, Krach Itzdrichle. It was necessary for Shuvan Levi to talk about a case of a city. Because what he's teaching you, and again, the Rashbam is going to explain that the krach here is a, Rashi says, In other words, we're trying to teach you here that in this case, krach doesn't mean wall. In this case, krach means just a metropolis that's a major business center. And he used that as an example because a lot of people are coming in and out. And what the Gemara is explaining is that even though when you have a big metropolis with business, you'll have your mushulachim, you'll have your scholars in residence, and you will have a lot of Torah, right, people who are learned coming in and out, that's not enough. You need to have a kolol in the community. You need to have a Torah presence in the community to be considered a, uh, to, to avoid being considered a kfar. Okay? Fine. So, another teaching from Rabbi Shimon Levi. I'm Rabbi Shimon Levi. Krach shechar v'lobosof yashav nidon kakrach. Right? Let's say it was a big Torah community, and then it wasn't such a big Torah community for a little while, and then it made a big comeback. We could call that as a city. Just because it had a little bit of a dip doesn't mean that it's not considered a, a great city in terms of Torah. What do you mean by destroyed? If you mean if it was actually physically destroyed, Yashav in law, Yashav low. So wait a minute. So it was, if the, so, so what? So if it was not settled, if the words were not rebuilt, you're not going to. You're not going to consider it a krach. Meaning, that can't be. Because remember, we keep saying that it had to have had a wall in the days of Yeshua ben Nun. And that assumes that it doesn't need to necessarily have a wall now. And that we learn from the Pasuk Asher Lo Choma in Vayikra. Again, we're learning it in, in Sefer Vayikra in the context of the redemption of the house. In other words, as long, uh, uh, rather, in other words, right, with regards to the law of the redemption of the houses, it doesn't have to have a wall now. It had to have had a wall at some point. So it can't be when it says that a city was destroyed and then rebuilt that um, it shouldn't even be a chiddish because it doesn't even need to be rebuilt in order to be considered a walled city with respect to these halachas. Ella, my charav, no, it means, shacharav me'asar batlanim. Ah, it means that what we're trying to say is in order to avoid the status of a kfar, you can't just say it doesn't have to do with when it had a group of batlanim and then it returns to, uh, uh, to original 
uh, status, the, the Chiddush is that whatever it is now, it's going to be considered a Chosh of City. In other words, you could gain and lose that status based on whether you have a, right, or the status of Kfar versus Krach, depending on whether you have a Kola in your community. Masha'en in the walled city, just matters whether it was walled in the days of Yeshua bin Nun. Okay, finishing up, Daf Gimel, with the last statement, Rabbi Yeshua bin Levi, Lod ve'ono ve'gei hecharashim mukafas chomim mosu Yeshua bin Nun havu. Right, very pragmatic. <coughs> he says, there were cities uh, that were surrounded in the time of Yeshua bin Nun, and therefore, they should have Shushan Purim. Okay, Gemara asks, v'hani Yeshua Benani. wait a minute, did Yeshua build them? Or, or did he come? This is similar to the question we asked before. Did he come and find them? Uh, or were they already built? Well, we already have a Pasuk in Divar Yamim that teaches you that these cities were actually built after, way after Yeshua Benin. The cities are explicitly mentioned in Divar Yamim. It's after Yeshua that they were built. So what are you talking about? That they were Mukafas Chomim Yeshua Benin. We specifically have Psukim to teach us to t- that timestamp the building of the wall. And it's after that. Says the Gemara, well, Tamech, Asabanani. Yeah. If you're going to say, based on that Pasuk, that it was that the day that they built it, what, that, that, right, the recollection um, of those people building it is, in fact, the time when the walls were built, were built, rather, built. So then it would be Asa, even later, that built it. Dechseva, even Asa, Sarayab, Tsurasa, Shelly, Huda. We'll read the parentheses here because we have a subsequent pasuk even later, right? Uh, the truth of the matter is, the Masoret Shas takes it out. There's a really good reason for the parentheses because that pasuk doesn't exist. But if you look at Divrei Yom and Beis, it says a similar thing. It says Vayiven Are Mitzur Behuda. Okay. Bottom line is that you would use a different uh, phantom pasuk to teach you that maybe it was even uh, built later. Be that as it may, Amar Belazar Hani Mukafas Chomay Moshe Shur Binun Havu. And Kharbi may Pilagish Begiva, the Asa Pile Banani, Hadur Inpul Asa Asa Shapsinu. And so now Rabalazar explains all of these Psukim and accounts for them by explaining what the history was. What was the history? Well, when Yeshua Benun came in, they were in fact walled cities. Then, in that crazy story that we told at the end of Tainus of Pilagish Begiva, when they destroyed almost all of Shevet Binyamin, and these cities were in fact in the territory of Binyamin. So they broke down all of those walls. And then El Pa'al and his Hevra built them back up afterwards, subsequent to that. And then Asa did the Shiputz, Shabtinhu. Asa came and did like the final, right, like we are doing with the house now. So part of it is technically construction, part of it is renovation, right? And that's exactly what's going on here. The first crew did the construction, and then the other ones did like the renovation. Uh, we're calling ours a renovation, but you look at it now, it's, it's certainly a construction. Anyway, fine. So now the Gemara is going to prove that Asa did only renovation, not construction. It says, Asa said to Yehuda, let's build this city. In other words, let's build up these cities. It means the cities were already there, right? It's not like nothing. There's some remnant left. that He was just kind of renovating the cities because they were already existing. Okay, more Rabbi Shubin Levi. Levi, Nashim Megillah. The Chiyuv of women in Mikra Megillah, you want to talk to your local Orthodox rabbi. If they have the Chiyuv, can they be Motsi men? Ooh. Um, uh, now, but, you can't move with this, not here or in Dalkosos or in 
right, or near Hanukkah, without go, doing the Toysfus that quotes the Rashbam, that says, Pirish Rashbam, she ikar al yadon. Right, right. So it's a question. The Tosfa says, "I don't know." Rashbam, Afhein Hayu sounds like they were the Tafel, not the Yikar. But we like to go with the Rashbam that it was really in their Schus, and it's not just that they happened to have been there; they were the source. Not not time to be Marich over here. The question of whether they could be Motzi is the previous Tosfa. The Tosfa starts with Mikan Ooh, but. If you want to really get down to the lacha, you got to read the rest of the Tosfos too. But just these are the topics that appear in this amazing question of I, of, of women and Chiv Megillah. Another teaching of Rishub and Levi, Vamar Rishub and Levi, Purim Shechalios B'Shabbos, Sholem V'Doshim Inyon Shal Yom. Ah, if Purim it falls out on Shabbos, so you can't read Megillah, as we'll see, but you want to Sholem V'Doshim, as Rashi says, Ma'amidin Turgam Elafiyah Chacham Lidrash Igeris Purim Berabim. So it's funny. Rashi says, you don't go to give a shear, like on Purim Torah or whatever. You have somebody, right, be Dorish Igeris Purim, the Megillah. Okay, why he says that? You have to be Ma'ayin. The question, the Gemara asks, Ma'ayir Purim. Why mention specifically Purim? This is true of every Chag and every Yantiv. I feel Yom Tov Nami, Titania, Moshe Tikilam Israel, Shishon Vidarshim Vidyan Shalyom, Hilchas Pesach and Pesach, Hilchas Atzeres Vatzeres, Hilchas Chag Vachag, right? It's supposed to be Shon Dorish all the time. The halacha of the day, and when it is on Shabbos as well. The Gemara answers no. Purim it's You have to add it in Purim. It's not. It's not muvan me'elav, as they say. It's not naturally assumed just because you do so on Yantav that you do so on Purim. Why? Right? Because we're going to soon learn the very famous reason of why we don't read Megillah on Shabbos, which is Shema Yavir Dal Rabim. Well, guess what? If you know that Rabbi Rose is giving a shear about the Megillah, some of the most fastidious students, like Barry, no disrespect to Binyamin and Max, but they're going to bring a Megillah. That's the kind of guy Barry is. He wants to see it inside. Well, guess what? So that's a problem, right? Because you're going to be Ma'avir Dalam, it's just Robin. Whether you read the Megillah or not, you're going to bring it to the shear. Kamash Malan, no. That to give a shear is allowed. To read the Megillah, we're nervous about. But to do this, to give the shear, we're not worried about. Good. Another teaching of Shubin Levi. Yomer Shubin Levi, Chayav Adam Likros Es Megillah Belayla Velishnosa Biyom. Right, this lashon sounds amazing. It sounds like the Iker is at night, and the right. What does it mean? Let me translate. Person is Chayav to do the Kriyas Megillah at night, and then to repeat it during the day. That's amazing, right? Rashi says Zechal Neishu Zohakim Be Made Saras On Yom Velayla. Rashi isn't really. it, getting into the fact that it seems to be that the Lishnosas are just a repetition. He says that's what they did. They were, in the days of Purim, they were crying out during the night and the day. What's the reason? Where's this? A Pasuk from the Megillah? Esther? No. It's a Pasuk from Tehillim. Ah, but it's, as Rashi explains, Ekra. That is Tehillim Chavbez. That is as Rashi explains, which in Masechus Yuma we already learned is associated with Esther's saying it in the time of Purim. That is that is Esther Hamalka's um, Tehillim, and therefore Savarmina. So so anyway, since it's Esther Hamalka Tehillim, we can associate it with Purim. Savarmina Right, the students who heard this understood that to mean. What we understood to mean that there's a chiv lemikre belele to read it at night 
And they thought that in the morning there's no even chiv to read it at all. But rather, right, because it says so maybe that just read, means read Mishnayas Megillah during the day. Right? Do the Megillah reading at night and then do Mishnayas Meseches Megillah during the day. To which, No. I learned it like Right? In other words, as people colloquially will say, I'm going to go and finish this section and then asnie and repeat it, which is to say, repeat it the way I did. Like we say, Hadron Allah, right? So, repeat it, meaning repeat it in the same way, right? To repeat it by reading the Megillah, both at night and then again during the day. Itmar Nami, and that was stated also by a different Namara, Amri Rechel Bama Uma Bira, which was his name. Chayav Adam Likwas of Megillah Belayla, Belishnosa Biyom, Shanemar Laman is Mechavad Belaydom, Hashem Elakai, Leolam, Odeka. That's in Tehillim, right? To read the Megillah at night. And then to repeat it again during the day that I'm going to sing to you, right? And forever I will thank you. This is, right, um, interpreted in the Pesikta, right, as referring also to the miracle of Purim. And that's how, as Rashi explains, right, uh, Rashi says, the last Rashi on Dalai Aleph, right, that, that it means that it's talking about Mordechai Esther Bahaman Bachashverosh and the Psikta, as the last Rashi explains, is referring to Purim as well, and therefore it is alluding to the Chiv that we have, and that's how we know that we read Megillah at night and then the subsequent day. So now we're on the two dots in the bottom of Dalan Amdalaf, and we say, Back to this idea. This is what we said before. That the people in the Kfar were, as we mercifully turned to Daladim and Bays at the time of 6.16 a.m. with some time left over, let's make some headway. The Kfarim used to be the caterers, okay? They, so, so let's say the people of Silver Spring, they're doing the catering, and that's why we don't trouble them to come all the way to Baltimore, right, on the day of the actual 14th. We say on the day that you're coming anyway to Baltimore to hear Kareh on Monday and Thursday, that's the day that you could come, right? Wait a minute. Are we supposed to understand from that that it's to benefit the people in Baltimore, right? Baltimore, as we're saying, the big city in Silver Springs is the Kfar. So are we benefiting the people in Baltimore? That's not, but we learned in the Mishnah soon enough, the Chalios B'Sheni, in, in, our, in, in our Mishnah. And later on in our Mishnah, it says, Chalios B'Sheni, Kfar Vayaris Kedolz, Karim Babayom. Right? In other words, we said that it's a good thing that, <laughs> that if the 14th falls out on Monday, that everybody's going to read together. Well, guess what? What are these people supposed to do, right? Vim Isa, and if it's true that we're trying to benefit the people in Baltimore, then they should do it. Let's say it falls out, the 14th falls out on Monday. Do it on the previous Thursday. Why do it on the previous Thursday? Because again, the whole reason is to let the people from Silver Spring have the day off so that they can prepare the provisions for us, do the catering and get it together. Well, guess what? Our mission made it sound like if it falls out on a Monday or a Thursday, then we're good. We all get to read Megillah together. We don't have to shift the date for the people in the Kfar. Well, guess what? That's not so good because if we're all reading it together, when are the people in the Kfar supposed to prepare our catering for us? That's what the, that's what the Gemara asks, right? It's like the Jewish waiters at the Pesach Seder. When, in the hotel, when are they doing their Pesach Seder? So it says the Gemara, Havu lahu asara, v'asara lo Yeah, well, ideally, maybe it would make sense to say that, to say that if it falls out on Monday, we should do it back to Thursday, but that would violate the first halacha of our Mishnah, which is that we can only do it from the 11th to the 15th, which we learned out of Psukim, and we can't violate that, and that's the only reason we don't move it back 
uh, and give a different date to the Silver Springers and tell them to come on thir- the previous Thursday. So yeah, it's a conundrum indeed when it falls out on a Monday or Thursday. Not as Pashat as you thought. Maybe halakhically Pashat, but pragmatically difficult. So Tashma, okay. So Chaliyaz Bechamishi, Kfarim Vayaris, Kudolz Karim Babayam. So we were saying, okay, so I understand you're not going to push back the Monday to the Thursday because that puts you on the 10th. But what about if it falls on the Thursday? If you push it back to Monday, that only puts you on the 11th. Maybe in that scenario, we should talk, uh, tell the Silver Springers to come back on Monday. Says the Gemara, right? So if it's true that we're doing it for the sake of the people in the city, so that works because just tell them to come back on the previous Yom HaKnisa, which would be Monday, and that's only three days earlier, and that would be 11th, and everything should work. Says the Gemara, no. Yom HaKnisa, Yom HaKnisa, Lo the Meiri explains that just like we don't move it back from Monday to Thursday, we now have like a low plug, right? We, we say no, because we don't want to get confused. We don't go back to the previous Yom HaKnisa, low plug, and that's why we don't do it. But pragmatically, that would make sense. Let's look at Tashma. I'm Rabbi Yehuda. So when can the villagers read earlier than the 14th? We alluded to this, right, proof already. We mentioned from the Mishnah uh, that we're about to learn tomorrow, God willing, right, that, uh, that if you're talking about a place that, ha- that they actually go into town on Mondays and Thursdays, then, of course, we're going to allow the villagers to do so. However, right, if you have a place where they don't go Mondays and Thursdays ever, say, in Koran, so then you're only going to read it on the 14th. Well, guess what? If we're doing all these takanas for the people in the big city of Baltimore, right? What do you mean? In other words, we ca- if we care about Baltimore, why should it matter? <laughs> if what we care about is Baltimore, then why are we saying it shouldn't, we shouldn't care about what the people in Silver Spring uh, do, right? We should, say, we should say that obviously the krachin should still right, have the benefit of having the caterers be able to come to the town. So the Gemara says, So no, that's not the reason. The reason is not because of the caterers. Right, we're not doing this for the benefit of the people of Baltimore. We're doing it for the, uh, rather, right, right. In other words, not, not to be uh, available to provide food to the people in the, in the Kfar, but to provide food for the people. Oh, here it says Krachim, that's confusing. It means Kfarim. Right? In other words, if it was enacted for the villagers to save them for making a special it was in fact for them to save them a special trip, and therefore, but it's for their benefit. And therefore, it does not apply if there's no benefit to them because they're not going in anyways. So, yes, it was enacted for the kfarim. The, um, the fact that they switch up the Lushan of kfarim and krachim, right? We used krachim before when it wasn't really a walled city, and now we're using Krachim uh, in, in the case of farm can be confusing, so that's why we're good that we have the Mefarshim here to just uh, keep it straight. But be that as it may, we're doing it, right, for the benefit of the people that are coming in to provide the, the Muslim. So now, at the two dots in the middle of Dalai Bays, the Gemara says Ketzad, right? So what is the case of the 14th? So when we move it. So it says, Chaliyot Sheni B'Shabbos, you'll recall that the Mishnah went through all the cases. The Gemara, so the Gemara asked, Ma Yishnah Reisha Dinaka Sidur Diyarcha, Ma Yishnah Sefer Dinaka Sidur Diyome. It can be confusing, right? We went through this, this uh, there's two ways to do it. You could have said, when, does, when do you read the Megillah on the 11th? When do you read it on the 12th? When do you read it on the 13th? When do you read it on the 14th? That's how our Mishnah starts out. But then what the Gemara asks is, 
afterwards, when we gave the cases, it didn't explain it that way. It didn't say, when do you do it on the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th? It said it a different way. It said, well, if it falls out on Shabbos, you do this. If it falls out on Sunday, you do this. If it falls out on Monday, and goes by the days of the week. So the Gemara just wants to know stylistically, why did the mission start off by going in order of the days of the month, and then when it explained to us how it falls out, it went in order of the days of the week? And the answer is going to be that it's just easier to think of it that way. So it's less confusing. That's basically the answer. Says the Gemara. Well, the reason we did that is because since the latter part of the Mishnah will, is going to, had we used, as we did the days of the month, everything would be backwards and it would be confusing. So therefore, we did it by the days in order so that you could keep it straight, right? If it falls out on Sunday, do this. If it falls out on Monday, do this. If it falls out on Tuesday, do this. It's easier prescription-wise if you're writing Allah Safer than if you write it backwards, you could get really confused. Fine. Now, Chalios bear of Shabbos, and we learned that the halacha of what happens when it falls on Erev Shabbos. So the Gemara, Masnisin Mani. Who does our Mishnah follow? E Rebbe, E Rebbe Yossi. It can follow either Rebbe or Rebbe Yossi. What's the halacha? That again, if it falls out on Shabbos, so again, if the 14th falls out on Shabbos, so then um, they're going to read it on the preceding day, the Thursday. And what are the people going to do in the large, in the large cities? They're going to read it on Erev Shabbos. So, so who does the mission follow? E Rebbe, my Rebbe, Natanya Chalios be Erev Shabbos, right? If the Megillah fell out on Shabbos, I'm sorry, this is when the 14th falls out on Friday, right? So he says like this, if it falls out on Erev Shabbos, Kfarim Bayaras Gadolos Makdim Liyamaknisa, right? So the Brisa says, the, the Tanakhama says that everybody else reads it on Thursday. Umukafas Choma Karim Boba Yom. Right, the Mekofas Choma are going to read it on Friday. And Rebbe Omer, Omer Ni, Loi Dachayaras Mimkomam. That the unwalled cities, if it falls out, in fact, on the 14th, which is Friday, should read it on the 14th. Ela Elu Ve'elu, Korim Boba Yom. Both the unwalled towns and also the walled cities that normally do Shushan Purim, they're going to read it on Friday. This is all obviously because, uh, talking about because of the fact that you cannot, right? Shushan Purim in this case is going to be Shabbos, but you can't read the Megillah on Shabbos. We'll dig into this, Bezat Hashem, more tomorrow with my Taina, the Tanakama, and my Taina of the, right, of Yossi and Rebbe, and we're going to sort out the issue of when do you read when the Megillah is on Shabbos. So we're about a little bit more than halfway down, Dalid Amad Bez.